There is something so special here. You feel it. You've acknowledged it. Uh, it's been on a journey, by the way. It's, it's been on a journey, and uh, it will still be on its journey till Jesus comes in the clouds. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. Chapter 2. I hope, I hope that doesn't bother anybody. Worship like that. I really do. I hope that don't bother you. If you're here and that bothers you, come see me after service. Because <laughs> that's what I come for, was to experience God. We've got all kinds of books that teaches us how to experience God, you know, and train us to get where we need to be. But we just had it. Ain't that simple? Just simple as that, just coming and worshiping. Chapter 2, verse 37. Hold your place there. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, there's some things that you won't said today. And it's failed my lot to be here in this place. And uh, I want you to humble me. I want you to use me. I want you to open me up to be the vessel that you want. And speak the words to each heart that's here today that uh, you've got this ready for. And I'm gonna, I want to claim this pulpit, this altar area, and this building, and these people for you right now. I claim them. You said we could, and, and, and I, I trust. I, I, I lean. I give away my all to you in Jesus' name. There's some miraculous things that happened in history behind us that we need to keep in our four minds and before us as individuals and as, as, as a group, but as a church. We need to remember where we come from. If you get, forget where you come from, you won't know where you're at or where you're going sometimes. You lose your direction. Well, let's go back and find some direction maybe this morning. The 37th verse of that uh, second chapter reads like this. Now when they heard these things, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? A bold statement, ain't it? Then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins I like this and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost 
his presence will come in amongst you. In other words, and the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto the church about 3,000 souls. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. Now, you remember who's doing the preaching here? Peter. Peter's, I'm, not, I'm a lot like Peter. I can be good, but I can be bad. Peter at times was a bad boy. And it took a while for him to, to get it. And you know it takes a while for some of us to get it. And you know what has to happen? There has to be some patience from a lot of people. Well, God gives us that patience and he gives us that love from his very being for who he is because the Bible says that God is love. Has he not been patient with you? Has he not been long-suffering with all of us? Peter was asked the question, we can turn over there. To Matthew chapter 16, Peter was asked the question. See, when God gets ready to do a work in somebody, God makes them right. God gets them where, they're, where they can be used. Some of you have been through the test, the, the trials, through the fire. Some have had cancer and almost left this world and God healed you. And I want to get into the responsibility of the church in a little while, if, if time will permit. But you've been through the fire. Peter had to have some training. And this very son of God who was approved of God who they crucified on the, on the cross of Calvary as a payment for sin. It was a, also a, a form of execution, but it's a form of payment. And I stagger at the feeling of knowing that he paid the price that I couldn't pay for my salvation. I stand in awe. But Peter was one that was in training. You remember he even denied Christ and ran off, cursed. God can't use me. God won't never call me uh, to speak in front of a crowd or, or to an individual. I've been too mean and so, uh, too much on me and my reputation is such nobody would believe me. But Peter stood up 
you got to get up and be noticed. I'm, I'm, I've just got so much started that it's not going to be any way. <laughs> Look at that 16th chapter. I'm going to try to stick with the word. I want to stick with something that you'll take home with you that's worth something. My words are not, but that that God speaks through me is. That's what God does when he calls people. He makes them like a screen door. He just pushes it through them, the word, and someone gets it. <laughs> well, I ain't never thought of it that way. Well, think of it as a sifter then. Same thing. He pours it through us. But look at that uh, 13th verse of that 16th chapter of Matthew. Christ asked him, or he said this, When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and some Jeremiah's, and one are one of the prophets. Somebody's been toting tales at me. Somebody got some false doctrine out there about who Christ was. I'm going to tell you, the world needs to know who Christ is. He's the son of the living God. And we need to say it with authority and power and not be ashamed of him. He said, if you're ashamed of me in this day, in this wicked generation, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. And it's, it's not just that. He's worthy. If he didn't even save me, he's still worthy. But he did. <clears throat> and he said unto them, But whom say that ye that I am. And Simon Peter, he sort of, I guess I'm more like him than I realize. Always a talking. Wanting to get in a word edgewise. I know some people says, Emil, be quiet or don't talk so much. You see, when God calls, he gives you certain abilities. It gives them to you. When I was a child in school, I sat in the back of the room, put my head down on my desk when they called for somebody to answer a question. I went to see one of my school teachers a little before she died, and she said, of all the kids that I'd ever taught, you'd be the last that I would have thought that God would have ever called <laughs> because of your timidness. Well, my boldness is not worth anything unless God be with me. You know, you, you, can, you can be up and boastful and, 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 and talk and I say a lot of good things, but if the Lord ain't in it, it's just like the wind blowing. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, boy. He settled it, didn't he? And from then on, 
I'm going to go ahead with this. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build. Did he say his church, Peter's church? No. Folks, we need to realize this is not our church. We need to be more responsible because he said here, he said, I'll build my church. This is a possession of, of, of God himself. This church. God has ownership. I want, let's go on down to this next verse. Or the rest of that one. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that word hell is, is uh, if you look it up and run it down, it means death. The gates of death shall not prevail against it. The testimony that he had of Jesus Christ being God, he did not uh, have a chance of losing it when hell come against him or death. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever ye shall bind on earth, ye shall bind in heaven. Whatsoever ye loose on earth, ye shall loose in heaven. Our actions and our ways has uh, uh, something that uh, we need to really be careful about, our actions. But you know, when, when the last thing that you do when you go to purchase a new automobile or house is that you get the keys. When they give you the keys, that's a sign of ownership. He gives, told Peter, he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Now that's the reason I'm here this morning. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is among men. And church, we've got the keys to the kingdom through the profession of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, normally it just takes one key, don't it, to get into a house or a car. Now, why would he, he, he made it plural, keys? We got the keys to a lot more than we understand, Pat. We need to be a seeking out what, other things God has got for us to enjoy and to be responsible for. You know that? There is a responsibility with keys. Sometimes people lose them, don't they? What do they have to do? They'll walk. Lose their car key, they walk. Can't get in. Well, we've got newfangled gadgets now. Uh, if you lose your car, you can click your... Uh, automatic button on your keychain. But what if you lose your automatic button? <laughs> you lose things. I'm going to tell you, this morning I got up early and I got to listen to Charles Stanley. love the man. But then I heard another man said that if you don't repent every day, those sins will send you to hell. No. 
The only thing that's going to send you to hell is that sin that came down through the blood of Adam. Those sins that you commit from that point on, they're going to be paid for here and they're going to be dealt with here. You hear me? If I could lose my salvation for something I'd do or didn't do after I'd saved, that would be greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing. It's an atoning. A lot of them may say, I need to talk to you after church. I'm ready. <laughs> I believe that or I wouldn't have said it. I'm not afraid. Oh, I told earlier that Dr. Charles Stanley preached on that you didn't have to willfully sin any longer. You shouldn't willfully sin. We don't need to willfully sin. God gives us the power through His Son to say no and resist the devil. I've been, I've been to fighting him right over here uh, for about two and a half minutes. And I said, in the name of Jesus, be gone, devil. I don't know where he went, but whew, he was gone. <laughs> Other men came and laid their hands on me and said, we, we want to anoint you. By the power of God. And uh, Peter was one that was uh, taking training. So let's get back over to where we were. Acts. Now how would you like to be a God-called minister... And the first revival meeting or the first church service you had, you'd have 3,000 souls saved. Man might get the big head unless he's right with God. You know, God will trust people when they're trustworthy. I know that. And they gladly received the word were baptized in the same day. I'm on the 41st verse. And they were added to them about 3,000 souls. Now, here's what I want to get into. In your bulletin, you've got several announcements. And I didn't put them in there, and I, they were not connected to this sermon in any way. When they were put in there, God took care of that, along with some of the uh, staff in the office. But in that bulletin, you're going to find the characteristics of a good, growing, God-filled, Spirit-led church in your bulletin. I challenge you to go home, search your bulletin, read your uh, uh, announcements, and then see if that don't hold true. Taking up money to pay somebody's light bill. It's in here. I'm, I need to read it. Then I've got something else we're going to do special today. We get through preaching. And they continued steadfastly, the 42nd verse, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. We had a man stand right here just a few minutes ago and said we're fixing to gear up for a full-blown prayer meeting on Sunday night. Now, 
It's going to last an hour to start with. You might get by with an hour. You know, I, I, get, I get lonely sometimes for God's people. I do. In the early service, I mentioned three men's names. Somebody said you ought to call names in church. But I get lonely for God's people. The first church was challenged to be together in one accord, eating supper, eating breakfast. You say we stay too long at church. You would have been in the early church in the book of Acts. They were in days at times praising God and worship. You see, they had never had an opportunity such as that to have the Holy Ghost. And he came. And I tell you, when they got it, they held on. There's some people, and one or two in this room, that when they got a hold of it, it got a hold of them. And they neither one of them has turned loose since. And they've been enjoying each other. Some of us are a little more milder and meeker and, uh, you know, more subtle. Uh, we'll have our worship time and prayer time in a little more meeker manner. But others have it in a, a more louder fashion. Let's look on verse 43. But they broke bread together, and they prayed together, and they had fellowship together. I can't get over that verse. I, I somehow just don't want to move on to the next. Let me tell you this. Church, First Baptist Church, LJ, you've been doing that. You need to continue doing that because that's the vitamins, that's the vitamins that fuels a great church. There's something else I missed right there in the doctrine of the apostles. You see, they, had, they didn't have a big thick Bible like I got. Peter didn't. I want to tell you what he had. First hand account. I may lose it here. He walked with Jesus. At Jesus' word, he got out of the boat. Somebody said, Poor old Peter. Don't you say, Poor old Peter. The man walked on water. For a time. The apostles' doctrine, I'm telling you, they were on fire. They was 120 of them. I, I think, and I would believe, and I'm not, I'm not going to be speculating, but I would think that they would have been one, more than one on the floor at any given time. At 120 of them, and them full of the Holy Ghost, they'd say, Give me 10 of them. I got to go over here. I want to preach a little. Give me 15 of them. And at the end of the day, 3,000 souls had accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It was on a, it was on a journey. This is it. That's the title, ain't it? This is it, God's kingdom. It's been on a journey.
And we're on a journey. Let's go on down now to... Uh, no, let's don't. Let's back up again. In the book of James, it said, A sincere fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Bring forth much. Are we a praying church like we need to be? You know, I've had to get into the modern world. I've had to get an iPhone and an iPad. Darcy and I are on Facebook. We got a computer at home. We can get our emails. It took a while, but I did learn a lot of it. But I want to tell you, that we're getting a, a lot of prayers around through a thing called a telephone here at church. I'm going to tell you, we've been out on the job site, and I've been at my place of work, and I get a, a, a voice message. Somebody's sick. I can pray right then. They, they weren't afforded that then. Peter had been like me, wouldn't have knew what to do with an iPhone. But they was together. We, we, we stick together. Call the prayer chain. Somebody's sick. We pray together. We, we, we're going to have to be a praying church. Unified in prayer. Who's going to preach Sunday evening? Anybody going to preach? We're just going to sing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, at prayer meeting, the Word of God comes out. It's the most important thing, it, the Word and the prayer and, God, and prayer to God because it's a two-communication line. You can get it through the Word or through prayer. God can communicate. Now let's go on to the 43rd verse. And fear came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. No wonder. People turning loose and the power of God on their lives, loving one another, being compassionate one another, things would have to happen. Signs and wonders. Over in, the next, over in the next chapter, Peter and John was fixing to go up to the temple. There was a man laying there that they brought daily and laid at the front of the temple. Now, just think about where Peter had been. He'd been on an educational trip trying to get himself where he needed to be, but Peter and John about to go into the temple, and the man looked up and hoping to receive something of them. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give in the name of Jesus. Got a hold of him. He stood up and walked. And they went into the temple. Terry, 
If you get out of that wheelchair one of these days, start walking around here, I'm going to run with you, brother. And it could happen. We've limited God. Wow. Preacher, you're wearing us out. I'm going to tell you the truth. We have limited God. The 44th verse. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And we think we, we can't give but hour and a half, two hours on Sunday. Wait till you get to heaven. You're going to be enlightened of a few things, and I will be too. You'd say, God, why, why, did, why didn't I go down there and stay all day on Sunday at the church? Why didn't I take my lunch and go eat it and then go back in for more worship? You're going to ask that. I will too, probably. But we're selfish and we're stingy with God's time. Preacher, don't get back up there and say that stuff no more. Well, aren't you? Would a man rob God? Sure we will. Because we're selfish. And breaking bread from house to house. And did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Oh boy. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, now listen to this. This is the last part of this chapter, and it's 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 the it's the most powerful thing here. We the, the other this other stuff was our responsibility as a church. You get where you need to be, and God's gonna take charge of the rest. I know that. I'm telling you. And it says, and, and they were praising God and having favor with all the people. They had a good witness. And the Lord added to the church as should be saved. That's the way it ought to be. We don't try to convince nobody. It's got to be the Lord. Unless the Lord does this work in a man, woman, or boy, or girl's heart, it, it ain't going to be done. Now, I've got a couple of things that we're going to do here. And I didn't get through with this by no means. But I want to read you something that, that would really hit me hard. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to call these three names again and I'm going to get started and I'm, I'm going to finish. But I'm going to tell you what. I've carried this message for two and a half weeks and choked on it about every day and night. And I'm delivering it. I want you to hear it. Stay with me. If I get so boring that you, you, you just can't stand it, go home. If you ain't hearing from the Lord, get out of here. Go somewhere where you can hear it. Find him. But you know, this has been a journey. 
this kingdom. I came into the office not too long ago on a cold day and I was standing there and Mike Hayden come running in shivering. He said, I'm cold and I may have to have a hug from somebody to get warm. Now, that's a little comical, but I'm telling you he said more than he thought he said. It's the truth. We, as God's people, need the warmth of the church. The world needs the warmth and the companionship and the love of the church. Then started another message. My brother Art Williams came here. He'd been out of church for a long time, and he won't mind me telling you this. He's told it himself. That this church literally saved his life by putting their arms around him and his family and loving him. And then here was one of the key things that drove this message to me. Drove it home. And the man didn't even know that he was speaking to me or, or the, the Spirit of God was speaking through him. My brother Aaron McLean, and I've asked his permission, and I were down on our knees over at uh, Randy Durden's building and we were putting together the nativity scene and I told him, I said, I so enjoy being with Christian brothers in an atmosphere like this. And he looks up at me and he said, I need this. He needed this. What was this? It's the kingdom work of God. We took it out from the church. It stayed with us. Matter of fact, it grows. You take it out from the church and it'll grow. You can spread it. I'm going to tell you, I never did like peanut butter clumped up. Did you? <laughs> On my sandwich. Some of you are going to say, I, why in the world did they let him get up in the pulpit? <laughs> if you'll spread this thing out called the kingdom of God, other people can enjoy it. You clump it up, and it's just for you. But he said, I need this. And other people have said, because the church allowed me to go on mission, my life will never be the same. Why did it change their life going on mission? Because the kingdom of God went with them. So the church is here. Well, what is the kingdom of God? It's the rest of it. It's the whole realm of God's territory. You know, when a king has a, a, a kingdom, he's normally got a, ca a castle or his place he lives. And then all out there is his kingdom. All out there is God's kingdom working. Now, I've got something I'm going to read through right quickly, if you'll allow me to. This is it, God's kingdom. 375 years ago, on a rough New England shore at Cape Henry, Virginia, a group of pilgrims had waded ashore carrying a seven-foot 
rugged cross. They plunged it into the sand and and dedicated this vast new land to Almighty God, thus beginning one of the greatest adventures mankind had ever known. The gospel of Jesus Christ was brought, brought to America. Some years later, in England, uh, in England, in France, they got together and there was something intriguing about what was going on in this new world. So they decided to send a French philosopher, you know, one that could visualize, figure it out, write it down, get it to where somebody could understand it, a very educated probably, a very uh, uh, unique fellow. His name was, and James Holt said he knew him, Alex (laughs) DeSoto. To find the answer to this question, what is so great about America? You look on the screen, there he is. The philosopher, philosopher's first step was to go and look at our government. He discovered that within our government documents and our legal descriptions of our country was founded, there was a resounding feeling of religious faith. Even in our national anthem, the battle hymn of the republic, the presidential inaugural addresses from President Washington on down to the present day, Mr. DeSoto walked through our nation's capital and etched in granite and marble on the, on the monuments he found the words In God we trust. And he looked at our currency. Again, he saw, in God we trust. While visiting our uh, nation's schools, he witnessed prayers going up to Almighty God and children reciting scriptures. The philosopher looked at the military might of our nation and all of its power and still could not make a determination. Then someone recommended that he visit some of the churches. Scattered all over. You'll notice on the screen these little churches. He come to visit some of them. That log structure right there is somewhere it was built between the time that the Trail of Tears was around and the Civil War. That's in Gilmer County. So you see, it's been on a journey, this gospel, this kingdom of God. Our forefathers, then his first visit was to a church on a Saturday night before the start of a week-long revival. As he listened to the message, he heard, You must forgive if you want to be forgiven. Do not stand in the way of sinners. A strange feeling came over the entire congregation. Individuals left their seat and went to hug their neighbors. There was weeping and crying.
Eventually, the pastor called for a conference to be opened with prayer. He called for peace and fellowship of the church members. All that is at peace and fellowship with each other and with God as to work in this conference, let it be known by standing up. All but two. Brethren, come and tell us what the trouble is. Well, they weren't in peace and fellowship, so they were assigned a deacon of peace. And they went outside to resolve their difference, differences through acknowledgement and prayer. The choir began to sing as they were there, and two songs were sung. And then the men returned with their deacons. They made their acknowledgments that they were at peace with each other and ready to work. After the service, the Frenchman stopped one of the men and asked him, what was this serious nature of this situation? The man acknowledged that they had been at odds with one another and each felt convicted by the sermon that was preached, convicted of their sins, and that they had unsaved children at home and others in their community, and they didn't want to be a hindrance to them from being saved in this revival. The following morning began the services of the revival service, and the Frenchman arrived very early so he could get a seat, maybe talk with some of the people. But he heard a sound coming from the church. It was the women kneeling, praying. Then he heard another sound. It was the men praying up behind the church in a grove of trees. They were pleading and begging God to forgive them of their sins and to save the souls of mankind. They were calling the names of their lost family members and their friends and their neighbors. And after lengthy prayers were given and they were over, the men started down from the grove of trees. There was a spirit of unity and love and excitement and renewal was seen all over the congregation as they joined with the ladies in the house. The pastor rose from the pew and began to proclaim the word of God. Night after night, this same pattern was repeated. And people of all ages, from youth to elderly, came in from the countryside, fell in the altar, being converted of their sins, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives and being gloriously saved. Followed by baptism. Some of you may recognize some of these people. This is in Gilmer County. This baptismal service was held along about 1940, 45 at East L.J. Bridge. A multitude of 
Sinners were saved by God's grace during the long term of the revival service at East LJ Baptist Church. Similar to this story. So you see, the kingdom of God's been on a journey. But this is it. That's what we pray for, we work for, is when souls come to conversion experience in Jesus Christ and then proclaim it to the world through baptism. Some of you may or may not know Dale Land's grandfather's in this crowd. He was the evangelist. He and Preacher Cain. I glory, I praise God that somebody saw fit to come to America with the gospel that me and my family, my little country church that was down the road could experience that. Messages from the Holy Scriptures were delivered night after night to include. The wages of sin is death. Christ is the gift of God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus will do. Repent or you will all likewise perish. I'm giving you guys some messages, by the way. Giving you some sermons. Take notes. Somebody says, you ain't supposed to take notes from the church on the preacher. I want you to, okay? Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Sin has and will destroy families. God's Word is absolute truth. Who will take that one? Marriage is a union between a man and a woman. You want to say stuff like that? I beg your pardon. The undefiled word of God was delivered. People were changed and made new. Mr. DeSoto's report was America is great because God is great. And God is, not a, God is at work in His kingdom in and around and through the local church was His finding. Look where your local church is at. See them grown young people right there? That's Belize City. Every one of those little children right there are of a different skin color. And those boys playing with them, they're colorblind because of the love of God. There's where the kingdom's at. It's come a long way. Come to America now. It's going to around the world through this church. You say, I thought we was in bad shape. I thought we was having trouble. No, no. God, God's kingdom ain't. You may be and I may be. 
But his kingdom ain't. And I'm telling you, it's working. Out from here, out from this church, this people, out of God's leadership through this people. When men from all walks of life submit themselves to Almighty God, then and only then can they take on the likeness of God. God wants a relationship with His creation so He may, so He can make the way th- uh, for everyone through and in the death of His Son on Calvary's cross. St. John 3 and 7, as stated by the humble minister, you must be born again by the Spirit of God. The philosopher put this down as a P.S. on the bottom of his report. He said that the philosopher could not get this verse out of his mind. It was a mystery to him that a human being could be spiritually changed. How could this be? 